Oh boy, am I glad that the baby birds have flown back to the nest to come and see daddy. I should be in prison, is where I should be. I should not be here introducing this show. I should be in jail forever for what I just said. Welcome to the We Didn't Peak podcast. I am your handsome, one-of-a-kind host, Chance Nichols. And I'm, uh, yeah, how are you? How are you? It's a rhetorical, it's a rhetorical question because I can't, I can't hear you. But I'd like to think that out there, when see when I say how are you, I'd like to think that wherever you are, whether you're in your car or at the gym, whatever, wherever you listen to your podcasts, I'd like to think that you just out loud said exactly how you're doing. And for me, that's what's and for me that's what fun is. I like to have a good time, and to me, that's what's fun. I. This week has been a good week for me. I kind of, I don't know. It's all relative, isn't it, folks? Isn't it all relative? It's, you call, call life my uncle, because it's, it's a relative. I'm pausing for laughter. I'm sure there's raucous laughter going on right now. No, I have had a, yeah, I, I, I earned and lost a small fortune in Dogecoin. I'm holding I did not sell any of my coins whenever it, it peaked up for all of my fellow day traders and investors and venture capitalists and, you know, people who are going to rise above their stead and really control all the wealth in this country. We, that group of people that I'm a part of, I, I have the Robinhood app, so now I'm a part of it. I invest. I'm diversifying my portfolio a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we understand how the market moves. And to that end, I say, hold your coins it's it, 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 we're pushing Doge to a dollar. Doge is going to get to a dollar, and it's going to be a great time. I literally, holy shit! I just heard every single person listening to this episode turn it off. I just heard it. I just heard you go. No, I'm going to listen to BFFs with Dave Portnoy. <laughs> I've never listened to that show, but it is always on my TikTok. Like, my TikTok for you page is so much of that co- content from that show, the show that Dave Portnoy does with the high schooler. What's his name? Uh, Kevin Sex, or whatever these kids are calling themselves these days. I hate it. I, You know what? Do your thing. Actually, I'm not going to say I hate it. Do your thing. But... If your thing is just having those, like, what is the deal with the kids w- with the eyes these days? Have we seen this? That the little boys have, these little boys, they're like, not that much younger, whatever the fuck. The little kids, they are like, where their eyes have circles and they're all like sunken in. It's like part of it now. It's that, it's the little Tweety Bird haircut and it's the ugh, it's hoodies, which I like. Here's the thing: I like wearing hoodies all day long. So if that be, continues being a fashion trend, where it's like you can wear a hoodie to a formal event, sign me up. I would love to join these kids. I'd love to. I'd love to be a part of their crew. But yeah, some weird shit is going on. Also, uh, we're moving, which is very fun. Me and the boys, uh, we're out of. We're getting out of NoHo. We're moving to Glendale, which is a beautiful area. I'm very excited. I just went, just got back from hanging out out there a little bit, checking out the new place. Some exciting stuff coming your way. But that's just like a general like. I don't usually get stressed about moving because I think I'm really good at moving. 
I, like I don't like the process of moving. It's such a pain in the ass, but I'm good at it. Like the carrying of the boxes, the reorganizing, the dropping off, the parking of the U-Haul in a spot where you're not supposed to park it, but you kind of just like, it's it's like you give everyone that look of like, well, what are we going to do? Where, where else are we supposed to put it? <laughs> we're all having fun. So yeah, I, it's it's going to be what it is. I think we're going to get movers, which is what you got to do. After you turn 25, like after 25, you got to get movers. Yeah, no more of this bullshit of I'm going to enlist a crew of my unemployed friends to come and I'm going to offer them half a box of pizza and some Miller Lite. Like, fuck that. No. Pay for movers and that's what it's going to be. And that's what it is forever. If you're over the age of 25 and enlist the help of a, of a harem of friends to move your your chifferobe or whatever, you, you should just uh, call it quits. You shouldn't be moving into your own place. Move back into your parents' house because you're a child. Called out. Are you guys having a good time? Are you guys having a good time with me, your buddy Tenth? I'm like a silly guy. I'm like a cool guy. I'm like a weird guy. I'm a weird guy. You know how kids do that? Kids with their Oz. Like, I like your, I like your, your, your toy. Can I play with it? I just wish I could have held on to that for the rest of my life. But I was cursed with perfect diction. Because I am a once in a generation talent. And I do believe that. And if you're listening to this, I'd like to think that you believe it as well. Ah. Let's get to these listener submissions for what they would like to hear me talk about. Number one. A lot of people ask for this one. The Jake Paul Ben Askren fight happened this weekend. I don't like. I don't have many thoughts other than I don't like it. Like I don't like Jake Paul. I think he's an asshole. I think he's just a bad guy. Like you, if you just look at him, he just looks like a bad guy. He looks like the kid. He looks like the kid that whenever you'd have like your neighborhood pool like get-togethers in the summer with you and your friends that were like fun and rode bikes and were nice to each other and shared your toys. He's that kid who showed up and everyone was like, "Jesus, no. We we're all trying to have a nice swim and now this kid's going to come and try to hurt us." Like he's he's that kid. He's the kid who would come and just piss in people's cornflakes. And now he's a millionaire, which is awesome that's that's awesome and that's the thing he doesn't him he's a part of this ilk of like social media celebrities or i mean just at this point just regular celebrities whatever youtubers vloggers whatever you call them that he's like kind of talentless do you know what i mean like he doesn't he does he's not particularly great at anything other than being a prick like he's a professional prick that has a camera he's got cameras and he does he treats people poorly and he does bad things and records it and like that's it's like that's his thing and that's like the, their whole industry like that there's a whole crew of those type of people that like just go out into public and are just bad just behave badly and not in like a cool like rock star in the 80s way or whatever like rappers in like the 90s and 2000s like like there's none of that energy it's just it's when it's like another good example. Another example. Another good. Another great example that I just came up with. It's like he's a kid doing a prank at the mall. He's a kid doing a prank at the mall. That's it. It's so. And the. Have you ever been to a mall and like a kid see like a group of high school kids like stand up on a table at the food court and they're like oh sucker dicks or whatever and then run. No one. Everyone just looks at it and goes jeez awesome guys but to those kids it's the funniest thing that's ever happened in their world and for whatever reason people like jake paul have just been able to like tap into 
that energy and harness it into a very lucrative career that is just like whatever. I don't like him. I think the fight's stupid. I think the whole like weird era we're in of like celebrity boxing esque events like this where it's like what's gonna be next is it gonna be like fucking ronald mcdonald versus the burger king like it's so why does everyone have to box what are you talking about this is so bizarre it's odd isn't it odd it's it's it, it, like i'm not i i couldn't pete davidson said it best pete davidson was at that thing and he was like hosting it. i've seen these videos of him walking around backstage being like what the fuck are we doing like what is this what are you who are you? I'm Pete Davidson. I'm famously from Boston. You know how Pete Davidson's from Boston? Yeah. His dad was a firefighter from Boston that happened to be in New York. <laughs> I'm sorry. He, he's Peter Griffin. It's it's not actually Pete Davidson. It's actually Peter Griffin. You hear this, Seth MacFarlane? If you can hear this, please let me come work for you. Let me, let me do the voice. You can take a day off. It's not that good of an impression. Please, if, if Seth is listening to this, I was a joke. I love your work. Yeah, so the fight is nothing to me. It was like, okay, cool. He he, the the boy beat up a wrestler in a boxing match because that's not a fight. That's a boxing match. It's different. If that was, if they had just like met each other in an alley or whatever the fuck, Ben Askren would kill Jake Paul. And that's the thing that is crazy about this whole thing is they fought under a set of rules that took away all of the things that Ben Askren does well. So if you're truly like, like Jake Paul is not tougher than Ben Askren and Jake Paul is not a better athlete, not a better like, like warrior we'll say, you know what I mean? Like if they met in the wild or in the world and it was just like life or death, Ben Askren could literally, and this isn't an exaggeration, tear Jake Paul's head off of his shoulders. And to me, that means, why do a boxing match? Money, that's why. I'd fight Jake Paul. I'd beat up Jake. I would win. I'm. This is me officially, Chance Nichols, me, Chance James Nichols, born in Springfield, Missouri. I will fight Jake Paul. I'm calling Jake Paul out. I will fight you at the top of the Empire State Building in a kicking only fight. I will kick you in your balls until your balls start, until you piss blood. How about that? <laughs> I'd like to think that there's like a swath of elementary school students who somehow listen to this podcast. I do this for you kids. All right, moving right along. Uh, YouTube boxers, a lot of people wanted to hear about that. Uh, plutonium. Uh, I'm pro plutonium. Let's blow it all up. Burn it all down, baby. Can't get more. Can't get enough plutonium. How overrated in and out is, is the next one. Uh, I'm not going to entertain this one because it was submitted by a dork who doesn't live near an in and out And I don't, I think if you don't live near an in and out you're, uh, you're not as important as a human being as those of us that do. So, uh, fuck you. How about that? How about fuck you? How about you continue to eat your shitty Shake Shack burgers? And uh, that'll be that. Next thing, Blockbuster and the death of physical media. Love Blockbuster, love love movie rental stores. I had a ton of fun. In Nixa, we had movie gallery. My Nixa people, all all of you that listen to this, the movie gallery that's now like a paint store was the spot. 
great selection. Loved going up and down those aisles. I wish movie rental stores were still a thing. Watch that documentary on Netflix about Blockbuster, which hilarious that a documentary about Blockbuster is on Netflix. But if you if you listen to it and you watch it, you'll see. Te- technically speaking, Netflix wasn't the the main reason that Blockbuster went out of business. So it's fascinating. You get to meet this really cool family that runs like the last Blockbuster in the world and. They're awesome. I wish them well. I wish them all the success in the world. I will say this, their family business is running a blockbuster video. So historically speaking, I, I can't imagine a ton of success and, and wealth is going to come their way. But you never know. Maybe they could turn it around. Maybe they could turn this thing around. I also don't think physical media is ever going to go away fully. I mean, record stores are th- still a thing. People love going to record stores. Shout out Doyle again. Doyle's always getting shouted out on this fucking show. But it's good. good dude. Loves record stores. I think, you know, things like VHSs, I've always said that, I think VHSs are going to kind of be like records one day, where it's, like, cool to have. I'd like to have a VHS collection, where I've got, like, all these, like, classic movies and shit. Could be fun, but, yeah, blockbusters, physical media, it's a weird thing that's becoming a relic, and uh, I hope it doesn't become a relic of the past. There's still family videos in Missouri, so go patronize some of those places if you want to keep them alive. Okay, why isn't a hot dog a taco, or why isn't a taco a sandwich? I think it's because there it's propaganda from big bread. Uh, the bread companies don't want you... They want to keep everything so separate that you don't even associate them with the same thing, but they're just hawking the same... They're just... It's like their bread is Play-Doh, and they're just forming it into different things, being like, all right, well, we can charge two extra dollars for this shit. That's what I think. Uh... I also think anytime I anytime I see anything like this, like hot dog sandwich, whatever, I think about in the Rocket Power. I think it was the Rocket Power movie. Like they did like some sort of like standalone movie with Rocket Power, that cartoon where the kids ride skateboards. They invented the hot burger. Like they called it hot burger because it was half hot dog, half burger. It was a hot dog. Was it? What was it? I think it was a hot dog on a hamburger bun. Yeah, it was a hot dog and a hamburger bun because they ran out of hot dog buns, and they call it a hot burger. Shout out Rocket Power, great little, great little show. And what else? Flowers that are named whiskey. Again, another submission from Kyle Mantegna that makes me want to drive the short, very short distance between our homes and strangle him to death. And that's how that is my response to his uh, his submission. Last one here, Pikes Peak Youth Group Hike, Did You Peak? Very fun. That is, uh, thanks for that one, Troy. Shout out, Troy. That is in reference to a church camp that I used to go to every summer, where in addition to praising the Lord, we would also whitewater raft through very dangerous rapids and also hike Pikes Peak. And I, I, in fact, I did peak. I summited that thing twice, two summers in a row, had a blast. I'm going to tell stories from those summers throughout the, as long as this podcast is a show, I'll probably be telling stories from those summers, especially with people. I'm going to have people on that were a part of some of those summers. So I don't want to like tell the whole story or anything like that and make the intro even longer. But yes, your boy has climbed a mountain and he did it twice. And this isn't just like I walked up a little trail that was like already made and it was very fancy and like, oh, won't you please climb me? I'm a naughty little mountain. Oh, I wish someone would climb me. Me. No, this 
was a 20-mile hike to get to the base of the mountain, and then you hike up the mountain. So, yeah, I don't mess around. I'm something of a mountaineer. Yeah, it was Pikes Peak. That Pikes Peak was a, a huge mountain. Was a huge mountain in Colorado. Pikes Peak has actually uh, died of COVID. Pikes Peak is no longer with us, and we do we do wish it its uh, family members well. I have to stop. I have to stop doing that. Uh, <laughs> Pikes Peak is uh, still a mountain. Go visit it. There's a convenience store up at the top that I stole a sandwich from after the first time I ever climbed it because I had no food and I was famished and uh, about to pass out. And I had no money because I was like 13. So I stole a sandwich and I ate it. Sue me. But don't actually. If you're listening to this and you own that little convenience store at the top of Pikes Peak, be cool. Okay? Just be cool. Let's get to the episode. My guest this week is a perfect segue. Be cool, don't sue me. My guest this week is the wickedly talented Devon Taylor. Devon is an artist out here in LA. He does a little bit of everything. He's a filmmaker, photographer, really like produces some music stuff. Really cool dude, awesome. Uh, he's got great style. Like, I think about that all the time. Like He's got green hair right now. Uh, he's roller skates. He does like this dance shit with his roller skates. Follow him on Instagram if you want to check out some of that. It's at underscore daddy disco. Very fun name. Uh, also, he hosts his own podcast called the Bloody Blunts Cinema Club. And it's talking horror movies each week. They watch a new horror movie and talk about it. I did an episode. It's a blast. So uh, And you can follow the podcast on social media at Bloody Blunts CC. And yeah, we have a very fun chat that I'm not going to uh, give you any spoilers or any sort of uh, uh, highlights of right now because you're just about you're gonna listen to it. you're gonna listen to it. Why why prelude something that you're about to listen to? So that being said, as always, please remember to hit that subscribe button on your podcast app. However, it is that you're listening to this, crush that subscribe button so that you can stay up to date with new episodes. And uh, please do download the episodes. Those analytics are helping us out with getting some ad stuff, which I hope to be able to start doing and make some announcements about that soon. But anyway, please, without further interruption, enjoy my chat with the one, the only, Devon Taylor. Enjoy. Typically, how many people in our, uh, of like the Missouri people have this? Oh, the Nicolas Cage pillow? Because the girls have it. Like, uh, Hannah Hannah and them had one at their place. That's theirs. Oh, that's theirs. Oh, so you took theirs. Yeah. Because Tyler has his own one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Leah Leah moved to New York. Yeah. And gave us that so oh so this is the traveling one now <laughs> yeah, it's the sisterhood of the traveling nicholas cage <laughs> reverse pillow i'm a big fan of it uh well the show has started how how are you doing i love the green hair thanks you know i gotta gotta keep it fresh always i was uh, i was doing a little youtube video thing before coming here's a speed dating thing oh and then um, I was very happy whenever, because I had like mentioned that I do different colors all the time. And then he was like, oh, like Ramona Flowers. I was like, ah, you know Scott Pilgrim, yes. You get <laughs> One it. One of us. You get it. I, I mean, I have my Scott Pilgrim tattoo. I was like, girl, you see, it's yeah. like, just like Ramona Flowers. Ah, that yeah. rocks. Did you see they were like re-releasing Scott Pilgrim? They, um, they were re-releasing it in theaters mm-hmm. with a new uh, Dolby like sound, yeah. so like amp- so all of the sound design will be like amped up in it yeah. and stuff and i remember 
uh scott pilgrim was like actually the first movie that i saw like as an early release like i got to uh see it like two weeks early they were like i just because we went to the movie so much and then they just happened to be like hey we have this free screening coming up and i was like okay cool so like i knew like you know nobody knew anything about it and then like i felt like i was like in on a secret (laughs) because it also was not the movie you know that i was expecting at the time and then i remember I remember it vividly just like blew my mind and then like telling people about it and like it made me these these were the origins of film snob Devon because then I could be like oh good I'm glad we're getting yeah because then people because then I was like hey I saw this early this is what the vibes like it's gonna be a big hit (laughs) like it's nothing like you've seen before um yeah that rocks that's yeah because I remember the trailers and stuff for that movie were very it seemed like just a sort of a typical coming of age yeah. romance yeah. with some weird. It uh, seemed like just a regular quirky romance yeah. when it's definitely anything but. It's one and of the most trippy, crazy movies I've it, ever seen. It blew my mind. I remember, like, I remember even looking around. I could tell I was enjoying it like much more than literally anyone else in the crowd. <laughs> I was like, why is everyone else not having as much fun as I'm having right now? Like, people right. were enjoying it, but like. I mean, like I was, I mean, I was amped. I was like standing up during parts and I never, I never do that in theaters. I hate that. Yeah. But I mean, I was like so amped. I've seen and it's easily the movie I've seen the most. Like I've watched it too many times. How old were you when it came out? That came out in 2010. Yeah. So that was sophomore year of okay. high school. So it was like, yeah, kind of the perfect age per- yeah. to hit me as well. You yeah. know? Yeah. I remember. Yeah. We're the same age. So yeah, that would, that must've came out. I went and saw it. Who did I see that movie with? I, th- I thought I saw it with a group of friends, and I think mm-hmm. I remember me being the only one who liked it. <laughs> yeah, like because it's very much for like a particular type of person yes. and like particular taste. Like not everybody is down with the style and stuff. And like it was kind of like a informing moment of that too, of being like, okay, like not every movie is made for everybody, you know? And I was yeah. like, Oh, cause I couldn't understand why everybody didn't like love it. I was right. like, this is, I was like, this is gonna be the next big hit. Like, why are you? And people were like, Oh yeah, it was whatever. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's weird. Whatever. It's got the guy from fantastic four in it. Yeah. Which is what he was back then. Uh, if, have you been back to a movie theater? Have you, have you seen anything uh, in Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I saw Nobody a couple weeks ago. I saw Nobody in theaters. I, I literally almost texted you, but it was like a couple hours before I was planning on seeing mm-hmm. it. I was literally going to text you, like, hey, what are you doing later? And then I was just like, ah, I'm just go ahead and go. Yeah, yeah. But um, it had been over a year. And like that was, yeah, definitely the longest stretch I'd ever went. Like I've grown up in the movie theaters like like you know i have i have all my current ticket stubs back to 20 2015 2015 or 2016 right Uh, i took them down off the boards whenever i moved but yeah you you used to see it i had boards up in my room that i would staple each year to and then like kind of you could like see i had like a rating system with the thumbtacks and stuff but um but now i just keep them still but i i still have them all from the past five years yeah i remember those up at the uh the og Jesus take the real studio set up with the the decor and everything that's uh that yeah nobody i thought it was really fun it was who how is it i could have looked this up and i should have looked this up how is it involved with john wick like what is the connection there didn't like one of the producers like direct it or something oh to nobody yeah um it was the the writer uh the writer is the same writer from it and like there was like some other like production people like behind the scenes in it but that was the main part it was the same writer and you could 
tell. Absolutely, you could. <laughs> you know, you could tell. I was like, this feels like a, a first draft of John Wick just reworked or something. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, not terrible, you know, but at the same time, like, it was, it, 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 I was just like, you know, I couldn't get on his side without giving spoilers away to people. But uh, but it was uh, it was a great return to the theaters movie though like oh, and to yeah. like watch it on the big screen and like hearing people's reactions to like these like super violent scenes you know like there was like a group that was in the theater that was slightly annoying but it was like but that's what the movies are about yeah, like you, you, you got those people and so yeah I was like I, I on what one part of me wanted to tell them to shut up but then the other part of me was just like you know it just feels like old times again we're home baby <laughs> yeah exactly oh that rocks I yeah I saw nobody I've gone fucking wild since I've been fully vaccinated I reactivated my AMC I need to get on my AMC stubs it's yeah. been I saw that I saw the courier with Benedict Cumberbatch which I didn't know about that movie until the day I, I even saw heard it. of that one it's really good. It's like a spy thriller about the Cold War. Benedict Cumberbatch plays, plays this like salesman that gets hired by like MI6 to go into Russia. It's very good. And then I saw Godzilla Godzilla versus Kong. Mm. And you want to talk about a movie where people were like cheering and clapping like, yes. and standing up and stuff. Oh, it was so goofy. Oh, uh, I I'm I because I'm a completist. I still haven't watched Godzilla King of Monsters. Okay. So that's why I haven't watched Godzilla vs. Kong because I can't even get myself to finish 2014 Godzilla. The first 40 minutes are so boring. Interesting, yeah. I fall I asleep, that. but then I loved Kong Skull Island. Mm-hmm. So, but because I'm a completist, I'm like, no, finish Godzilla, <laughs> then watch King of Monsters, then you can watch, you know, like That's, yeah. the, the OCD in me. That's a smart way to do it. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that we very organically started talking about movies because I figured that would be what the majority of our talk is about. So, oh, yeah. would you say like Scott Pilgrim is your favorite movie or what's like your favorite movie? It, you know, it, it fluctuates, it of rotates. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, like, I, I, I can confidently say it's my favorite non-horror movie. There you go. For yeah. sure. Because, like, most of my favorites are horror. But, um, yeah, it's definitely, like, my favorite non-horror. It's the one I've seen the most. Um, I, it's, like, that one that, like, I can quote every single line, every scene to the beat, you know, and um, never get tired of watching it. But also, like, very much inspires me as a filmmaker. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, Scott Pilgrim is, uh, I'll say, like, it's top three for sure. Yeah. Um, but, like, I mean. What else uh, you got up there? Like, American Psycho is up there. That's been one of my favorites for a long time. Um, just because, like, I, my perception of it changes every few years. And I think that's definitely, like, the mark of a great movie, you know. Um, so that's, that's up there. And then like nightmare before Christmas is like my nostalgic pick, you know, that's the, the one I grew up on, got me into the spookies. You know, I was, I grew up on Tim Burton, you know, specifically like as a young kid, I would gravitate towards, I mean, uh, most of Tim Burton's movies are like in my, you know, top or whatever. So, um, that's like my nostalgic pick, but I can't, but I can also say like, okay, like as far as like films go like is this a my favorite film like i can acknowledge like there are better movies than nightmare but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's a that's why the list fluctuates like how much do i just love this personally for myself but then trying to look at it from like a filmmaking perspective and then being like okay but what do i think is like a really just amazing film and like parasite recently is like that one that just like warped my brain of being like like these this is what's 
this is why movies are magical. Like the stories they can tell. I'm like, this is it right here. Like yeah. if I can make something like this one time, you know, like I'll be, I'll be happy with my career. You know, it's one of those yeah. movies that just like, I, I, I like when I rewatch, I sometimes get mad because I'm like, <laughs> damn, yeah, this yeah. is so good. That's so smart. Like, yeah. Oh, like, can I do this? Like you get like angry. It's so good. Right. That's how I felt watching i don't know if you've seen this john mulaney and the sack lunch bunch i didn't watch that one but i know it was like yeah the the kids special thing yeah it's like he got to do just a little kids like a sesame street after school special style thing but through the gaze of like being an adult comedian like it's it Mm -hmm. was so funny like it's something that i would let my kids watch if i had kids and we would enjoy it equally you know, which yeah. is just fucking infuriating because it's like that perfect balance, like striking that balance and like because like, I mean, John's like a great writer, you know, mm-hmm. he has, uh, you know, extensive background writing and like you can tell. Did you meet John when he came to Springfield or did you go to a show? I don't think I either wasn't in Springfield like because I was traveling or mm-hmm. I didn't live there anymore. I don't remember when he came because I remember he, he went to Gailey's, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I you met, met him, him there. Yeah, I, I was going to the show at night, and then, like, you know, Gailey's is known for being, like, one of the biggest breakfast places in Springfield, so it's like, we always got so the good. celebrities when they were in town, like, we yeah. always knew, like, th- if there's a celebrity in town, there's a good chance they're gonna come here, because they were either staying at the hotel across the street, or they would look it up, and that would be the first thing, so it's like, we, like, we saw quite a few celebrities come through, and um, whenever, when uh, John Mulaney was in town, it was... Um, Two of my coworkers that worked at Gailey's, they were getting married that night, and they were big John Mulaney fans, and, like, they had been tweeting at him, like, hey, like, if you want to come to our wedding after your show, like, come <laughs> yeah. stop by, like, have a drink, like, whatever. Yeah. You know, just, like, throwing it out there, because, like, with him, you never know. He might be that guy that might show up at your wedding. Right. But they were just, like, obviously, they didn't mean to plan their wedding on when he had shows. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, so he came in for breakfast. And um, he was just like, he came in just to like drink coffee and read for like a couple hours, just like real chill to himself. And um, I, I bought his meal and then on the way out or, or not on the way out, but like a little bit before, like I was bringing more coffee and I was like, hey, I was like, it's two of my friends. They're getting married tonight. They're big fans of yours. Like, I was like, could you record a video for me? And he was like, he was like, yeah, for sure. He's like, uh, let me drink my coffee and like hang out and then like uh, catch me on the way out. And I was like, yeah. perfect. And he, like, we went outside, went out in front of Gailey's and, like, did, like, a, like, little video. So, like, brought it to him at the wedding and, like, presented him. I'm like, here's my wedding gift. Oh. Yeah. And he was, he was so cool about it, too. That's so awesome. it was awesome. He, yeah, he, I taught him what read receipts are. <laughs> and that is in every single dating app bio that I've ever had. Wait, I, how? <laughs> that's a great question. It's a very dumb story. <laughs> I, so I became a fan of his. I listened to his album, The Top Part, which is right before New in Town. So mm-hmm. New in Town is what he really exploded yeah, yeah, yeah. with. Mm-hmm. The Top Part has like the really famous bit at the Salt and Pepper Diner in Chicago where he yeah. gets the What's New Pussycat. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I went back and watched that special after. Yeah, New in Town yeah. was the first one I saw. Yeah, so I was a fan of him then when he was, he was bit, like, you know, he'd been on. Right around SNL, all the shit. So he was mm-hmm. known in the comedy world. Yeah. And I found him. This was when I was like 17, I think, maybe 18. And I found him on Facebook, his personal Facebook, back when he <laughs> had, had click the add friend button Facebook mm-hmm. account. 
and I just I added him. He never added me back, but I messaged him, and I was like, oh, "I'm such a big fan of yours. Like, thank you so much for your stuff." <laughs> like little comedy nerd me, and he saw it, and I realized, like. He After saw it, he but then didn't it respond. And didn't respond. I was like, oh no, did I just freak him out? <laughs> and this was, mind you, this was, I thought that I was like, all right, I'm going to be done with high school soon. And then I'm going to just go and be a com- like a famous comedian. And this is how you meet them. Right. Like, and, and we're going to be best friends. <laughs> exactly. But I thought I was fucking it up. Like, I thought I was blowing it. Mm-hmm. So I sent him a follow-up message. <laughs> I was like, oh, by the way, I see that you saw <laughs> the last message. I didn't mean to be, like, I don't. I hope you, like, I wasn't, like, come off as creepy. I'm just a big fan. I'm a kid. Like, like, I'm, like, sorry, have a good day. And then he sees that one and then responds and he goes, I'll never forget. He goes, oh boy, can people see what messages I've read? <laughs> oh, that's whole. Oh my God. That's hilarious. And then we went back and forth for a few like messages of me being like, yeah, it's called read receipts. Like you can, <laughs> if you have an iPhone, you can do it for your texts too. And, and I like, broke it down for him. And then he just ended it with being like, like, thank you so much. Like for like, like, uh, Best of luck, and was very sweet and gracious about it. Oh, but. well, that's nice. At least he gave you a couple messages back. He didn't just, like, shun you off, but that's super funny. And I also, right. like, my, my stance on read receipts is, like, I'm so against it. Same. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it when people have them on specifically for that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so you want me to know that I saw it. Yep. You know? Yep. On, you, on you, a level, a you want trip. me to know, and I don't like that. No. Like, just keep the anomaly, you yeah. know? Fuck them to death is what I say. Yeah, I don't, I don't like read receipts because I like to know... Like, I like to be able to have time to think without being exactly. on a clock. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> I need to think of a response to you, and I don't need you to know that I, it took me 15 full minutes. Exactly. To- <laughs> like, it's like, most people, I'm not a great texter, um, so it's like, a lot of the time, I probably won't even respond. So I don't want to have them see that I read it and then just be waiting for nothing. Yep. You know? So it's like, if you don't know, it's like, oh, well, then it's like, it's normal that I respond six hours later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's perfectly, this is, this is just how I am. This is, this is this how is, I move. This is, this is just me. Yeah, you know? for sure. That's, you're the second person that we've had on who works at the Dodger Stadium mass vaccination yeah, site. Yeah, yeah. Would you like to talk about that at all? Um, I mean, you know, I, I I try not to talk about it too much anymore. Like, I know some, because um, it is a big thing. Right. You know, and I, I spend, I, I make myself realize, like, I try to, like, play it down, I guess. But, I mean, yeah, it's like, a, it's a crazy thing. It's going to be in a history book one day. Exactly. Like, it, it, like I very much think about that, like, you know, like, beside like, the last, like, big thing was, like, 9-11, you know? Mm-hmm. But... I was, you know, a kid, you know, couldn't really understand. I mean, I understood what was going on, but like, yeah. not really. But this is like, because like every, you know, generation has one of like, this is our, like, this was that big life altering thing that like we were around for in the thick of like navigating as an adult, yeah. you know, like that's like pretty wild. So it's like, it's gonna be wild to think about it back in that way, but I am glad to work for the vaccination site just because like i mean yeah the the first you know like few months like from like march through like june july 
wasn't really doing too much. Same. I mean, I was not doing like anything. And, you know, you get to a point where it's like, okay, you want to, you enjoy it. And I did enjoy it. Like I very much enjoyed it for a minute, but then it's like, you kind of realize we have that weird American mentality of being like, oh, if I'm not doing something like every day, something productive, then like, yeah. oh no. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So, um, but then I started like doing more freelance stuff. So like I did like was able to get creative in stuff, but then I still at, at the same time felt like I was just like, you know, like I, I need to do something meaningful and I will say like, everything did kind of change me in the aspect like i was before like i'm not involved in politics i don't like i'm I'm not informed as far as like <laughs> right yeah current of like as much time as i spend on social media and stuff <laughs> i'm not as informed as i could be and i choose it to be that way i choose to kind of be ignorant and mm-hmm. i know that's not always great it's not wrong either no like if it's something if it's like you know subjects i feel like i don't have anything to add to then i'm not gonna be involved in it but like this was something that it was like okay like you you have to be like so like i like had to start watching the news more often and paying attention and like paying attention to the election and stuff like so it was like it was very much like a okay hey you you need to be a real adult at least a little bit you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so like it, it changed me in that way Interesting. Yeah, that's I I try to keep up with the big things like yeah. politics, you know, like big elections, president stuff, which now, thank God, it's like kind of boring again. The president stuff. Exactly. It's uh, but no, I feel that. And yeah, the, the, the Dodger Stadium site is at one point, I'm pretty sure it was the biggest one in the world. And now they're doing more and more super sites. Mm-hmm. Bailey was talking about that a little bit. But it's uh, it seems like almost everyone I know has worked for or volunteered for that like company in yeah. some capacity. Cause it's such a, like the gig economy of it, of like all of our friends who are normally like service industry people, bartenders, oh, yeah. things like that. This was what they were able to transition. That's into. literally like 80% of the staff is industry people, service industry people, like comedy, like people that can't do the things that they want to be doing. Yeah. You know? So it's like, this is what we're able to do. But like, it is also like, I don't know the first time that I'm like, that I can like say like, Oh, like I've given back to the community in some way. I've never yeah. been, one of those give back type of people, I suppose. So like it definitely, I got, uh, I get a sense of fulfillment in that aspect. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's it. I, I imagine it's like, a, you know, you hear the stories of people just starting to like cry whenever they get like their <laughs> vaccine and stuff. Oh like that. man. It came close for me. I, I got emotional when I got my first shot, second shot. I didn't give a fuck. I just wanted to get out of there. I was like, like, which I don't know if that's typical, but the first one was kind of like a big moment. The second one was like, all right, how you doing? Keep moving. Like, let's, let's do this. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I've definitely seen like a a share of people getting emotional and it's like, and it is interesting because like when you think about it, it's like, you know, for some people, you know, that were kind of feeling more down and isolated through this experience and stuff like, you know, I was lucky enough that like at the time I was in a relationship, you know, so it's like I was I always had somebody, you know, but it's like I can understand for like certain people that like who have had no hope during this that like getting that first shot is like this is the first like, hey, like this is like a step, you know, somewhere they feel a little bit of hope. So it is like super nice, like in 
people that have been appreciative and stuff, you know, and, um, you know, we see celebrities here and there, like, oh, yeah. which is even cool too. Cause like, Hey, they're doing just like everybody else. Like, right. They have like, blood you know, as well. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. Like the, the emotions are, are definitely interesting, but again, it'll be just like cool whenever, you know, you look back and remember this time, like, okay, so what was I doing at this time? And it's like, you know, I, I did, I did a lot of nothing, but then I did a lot of something. <laughs> a whole lot of something, yeah. Made some friends along the way. And that too, yeah. Like, it yeah. was like the first, like, re-socializing again. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, my yeah. first week was like, it was rough. Because, <laughs> like, like, I over the past few years, like, I've become, like, more introverted. Or I guess I'm, like, one of those, like, extroverted introverts. Like, yeah, I can see that. I can yeah, present yeah. myself very socially, but at the end of the day, like, I'm very, like, conscious about, like, my interactions with people and stuff like that. For sure. So, like, that first week when I was just, like, oh, my God, the, like, and I was, like, this is 200 people, you know, that I've never seen before. And then it's just, like, it, it, where do I stand? I need something in my hands. Like, oh, man. Like, I, like the first week, I just followed Bailey around like a fucking, like a little duckling. Yep. I was just like, uh, introduce <laughs> to me to somebody. You know, yeah. uh, can I come to the bathroom with you? Like, it was, like, <laughs> literally like that. I was, like, on yeah. Bailey's hip. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Well, thank you. You're welcome. You're having a Twizzler. I am having a Twizzler. That's, that's awesome. the that's the podcast hack when you're uh, you want to snack on things, gummies, because you gotta have something soft enough to where you're not chewing too loud or anything. But like, okay. I can't go like an hour with just nothing. Absolutely like. not. That makes <laughs> sense. That's and your podcast was the first podcast I ever did. It's the first iteration of your podcast. Yeah. Voyage. You know, it's wild because like, I'll think back. I'll think back because, like, when I was doing Jesus Take the Real back in 2016, 2017, podcasts weren't a big thing again. I mean, like, podcasts had been around and stuff for a while, but, like, it was around that time was when they kind of started coming back around. Yeah. And I realized that people could, like, build an audience through podcasting, you know? Like, it was also, like, when I started, like, watching more YouTube stuff. And, but, like, back then it was, like, Whenever I would tell people I had a podcast, like, there was still a good amount of people going, what's a podcast? Like, what is that? And, like, I remember, like, explaining it to people. And then now it's, like, literally everybody has a podcast, especially right. in L.A. Absolutely. Everybody has a podcast. So it's just, like, oh, <laughs> so now it's just, like, more common. Like, oh, what's the name of your podcast? Like, because you know they have one. Yeah, everyone's got one. Everyone's plugging one. It's, it's Yeah. It's so it's, like, I, I wish I would have stuck with that one, you know, since I was, like, kind of ahead of the curve a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I never it never really garnered much of an audience, um, but it was just like it was super nice just to just to do, and like that's how I started connecting with people like in L.A. even before I came out here. Like I would, yeah, it's a great way to meet people. Yeah, yeah. Like I came out, I made, I did one trip out to L.A. like specifically, like I like lined up like five podcast recordings with people that lived out here, and obviously could do it over Skype and stuff. I was still doing that too. But then I was like, you know what, let me just purposefully go out to L.A., try to meet some of these people, you know, that were connected with YouTube channels and stuff like that. So that's, like, kind of how I started. Yeah, I was able to start building, like, my internet circle, like, a little bit earlier. But now I'm always like, like, if I was still doing Jesus Take the Real, it'd be, like, in the, like, 300s or 400s in episodes right now. But was glad to 
start a start bloody blunt cinema club yeah your your show you're doing right now the bloody blunt cinema club tell the tell the listeners yeah it's um you know it's a horror movie podcast and obviously as the name implies i just get stupid high i'm a super stoner and it very much informs like the way i watch movies and um you know it's still kind of similar to Jesus take the real because just me hosting and then you know doing a rotating chair of guests and stuff and uh, I even do some episodes like strictly by myself just to like yeah, literally be able to like yeah. ramble on. But um, it was like in 2018 was like because up until that point, like, I mean, I loved movies. I loved horror movies my whole life, too. But like I was definitely watching like a pretty widespread of stuff like between like 2015 and like 2017. I was just trying to watch like as many movies as possible, just as much whatever. And then it was like, I kind of started narrowing in, I'm like, um, cause I was writing for websites and then, and then I just got known as the horror guy. Cause I'd always like, when we got the list of movies to review for the month, um, you know, I would always end up doing the horror movies, whether or not like other people took the other stuff or because I was like the only one that was like interested in horror at all. Mm-hmm. So then I became like strictly the horror writer. And then that's whenever like my internet audience, I just started following more people in the horror community and and i'd always thought like you know that they always say that like for like podcasts and like you know anything you're doing like creating on the internet like the more niche you can be the better yeah and even though sure yeah so it's like being a horror guy isn't super niche but it does like narrow it down a little bit more and then like from like since like 2018 it's been like i primarily only watch like horror movies like like 75 percent of what i watch now is like horror yeah and like because that's all I really care for now. Now I'm <laughs> just not? like, I just need blood and carnage on a daily. Like, mm-hmm. movies with rules just don't do it for me as much. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's it's like a drug situation. Like, I am like, I it's like, it's like I was doing all the drugs, but now I'm just strictly meth. I, I mean, not, I don't no. actually do meth, well, but you movie lived in Springfield meth. for a while, so. I know, did live in Springfield. I mean, I lived in, I mean, I'm from Arnold, which is like the meth, like Jefferson County, Missouri is like meth count, uh, like capital. Yeah, yeah. But I would say horror movies would be like maybe the meth of movies, of cinema. It's getting, yeah. Horror <laughs> movies and whatever crank is, those movies, yeah. whatever genre. Oh man, the, the Taylor brother, are. the Taylors need to do another movie. I love, I love the, like, that's, and, like, that's what I live for now. Like, I try to find just the craziest, just most, like, bonkers things. Like, things don't scare me. I'm, like, so desensitized. I'm just, like, I want things just to be weird. I want to, like, if you can, like, make me just, like, laugh and be, like, what? Like, that, that's the best reaction. That's the reactions I'm just looking for. I just want to be questioning what I'm watching. Like when we watched House of a Thousand Corpses. Like that was a, yeah. It's a good example like, of that. Because it was not what it, because like I had had an idea of what that movie was in my brain and I didn't truly know what type of movie it is. And like House of a Thousand Corpses was like, that's like right up my alley of yeah. my shit. Like it felt like a weird fever dream. It was all over <laughs> the place. The, the, every, the editing was so, every, the choices it was it was all great. So yeah, like that was one hundred percent watching a movie of being like, yeah, it's like this is so weird. Like yeah, hell of a film, hell yeah. of a film. That House of a Thousand Corpses. That's uh, yeah, the horror thing we just watched here at our place. I put on The Strangers, and mm-hmm. some of the roommates hadn't seen it, and I'm always so. One of my favorite things to do is to watch a horror movie that I've seen with yep. people who have never seen it. 
especially the strangers because of that moment. You know what I'm talking about? When uh, Liv Tyler is standing by the sink and mm-hmm. the baghead guy is just, you just see his face yeah. come out from the hallway and just look at her and yeah. then turn away. And like the absence of sound design. I don't love that movie, but that scene itself is like really great. But I'm yeah. literally the same way. Like, um, cause I, I love rewatching movies. Like that's like a big thing for me. Like, cause like if there's, if I'm on the fence of how I feel about a movie, like, and need a tie, like if I'm making my ranking list, like the tiebreaker is like how likely am I to rewatch this? Mm-hmm. Because like, I like being able to go back and like see stuff I didn't see before, but then like similar things of like, like whenever I like watch movies with people, I'm like, okay, what are, I want to know what you're in the mood for. And I'm going to try and curate a movie for you. You're like a movie you know, sommelier. Trying to. Yeah. yeah. Because and then especially with like the movies I watch, you can't, I can't pick first watch movies for myself and the person. Cause like with the weird movies I watch, there's a good chance it is, might not be good. It, and it also that might sucks. ruin this entire thing we have going. There, there's literally, I hate that feeling of like yeah. you get to the end, you go, well, I mean, I thought that was going to be better. I'm sorry. Like it's <laughs> the feeling of, you know, whenever you have like a YouTube video that you yep. love and you show it to someone and they don't laugh at all and they don't react that, but for two hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah. When you're doing the YouTube video, it's like, okay, two minutes of suffering that's okay but like when you're like an hour into movie and you already know it's not gonna get better <laughs> and you have to just be like but like i'm a i'm a finisher i don't i don't stop watching movies. so i'm like we're keeping it on yeah we're, we're, we're making it through the end but like yeah it's just like oh man this is uh all right well let's see uh, do, do i make moves now during this movie okay <laughs> do i make moves <laughs> yeah that's oof nothing worse than a bad movie experience whenever you're trying to like especially when you're trying to like flex your movie sort of like knowledge or cinephileness exactly with someone and then you're like oh, I've, I've heard that this one is quite excellent and then you put it on it's a dud exactly not fun but all that to say where so you said you're from arnold mm-hmm. missouri where is that did, were you born and raised there moving uh, around a little what's up no um i was like born in like if you know the St. Louis area, I was born in like St. Charles, St. Peter's, mm-hmm. which is like a suburb, like 45 minutes or whatever. That's where I was born. And then like from, I went to seven different elementary schools. Fuck me. Really? That's a random fact. So like elementary school, I hopped around so much. And this is when I was like, I was living with my mother at the time. And there was just like, I was hopping around. And I hated it. And then like, once I like moved in with my dad full time, then we like, I went to one school, went to Fox and Arnold, which is 20 minutes south of like downtown St. Louis. Yeah. And then, um, and then once I got there, like to sixth grade, then I was able to like stay through the same middle school, same high school. So yeah. So it was like, um, so it's like Arnold is, I say hometown just cause that's where I spent the most time in, you know, yeah, yeah. like since I was 10. Um, but even still, it's not like <laughs> the, the most proudest for me to be like, yeah, that's where I'm from. Like Arnold, Missouri. isn't that, it, uh, it, but isn't it true that in the St. Louis era, you just say, I am from St. Louis. Yes. See, One, that's nice. You get to do that. Yeah. Like, I mean, St. Louis is, I mean, it's kind of like LA, you know, where it's like, there is downtown St. Louis proper. Right. And then if you're in like a, 
30 minute radius of downtown you can say you're from st louis yeah. past that then you're not allowed to but yes. if you're if you're within like 30 minutes then it's like yeah I'm, I'm from st louis and then like it's a it's a st louis joke to be like you say you're from st louis and the first question somebody asks is what high school, high school. did you go to because yeah. yeah. it distinguishes what area and like so that's how you know the areas um by like by that which i'm sure it's a thing for other places too but like yeah. that's just like a a a little St. Louis in joke. Oh, absolutely. And I know that just from like, I'm from Springfield, but everyone I know is from St. Louis. And I was, I was striking out with a girl at a bar recently <laughs> in Chicago, when I was back in Chicago and she nice. said she's from St. Louis. She saw my chief shirt. And I immediately said, what high school did you go to? Even though you don't know the high school. You don't even know. The reflex was ingrained into you. Right. (laughs) I know uh, Ricky, I think, went to Oakville. So that's probably like a very suburban-y I almost went to Oakville. I didn't really. Oh, really? Oakville is literally the next like suburb over from Arnold. Like it's around the corner from us. Like I didn't didn't realize Ricky lived so close to me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's cool, yeah. Because I, being from Nixa, it's it, the only, the closest landmark is honestly Branson, like more Even, so than Springfield, yeah. almost. So like whenever I, especially when I like when I moved to Chicago and I told people, yeah, I'm from Missouri. Oh, like St. Louis, because that's Chicago. St. Louis is so close. That's mm-hmm. the automatic go to. Like no, like farther south. Have you ever heard of Springfield? No, not really. Like, have you heard of Branson? I know Branson. Like, so many exactly. people know what Branson is, which pisses me off, but also I kind of love it. Yeah, I mean, Spring. It's it's fine because like Springfield's the third largest city in Missouri, but yet people don't know because there's a Springfield, and I think thirty like one states. Yeah, like thirty one out fifty states have a Springfield, so that's weird. Yeah, but um, but it's yeah, like it's street. like. Yeah, so it's like when you ask it, when we were in college and stuff, it's like, yeah, where are you from? And it's like Nixa peoples would distinguish it, but then other people would just be like, oh, yeah, no, it's, you know, general Springfield. Yeah, or the, – and that's the other thing. Like for people in Chicago also, there are so many people that just live in the suburbs, especially yeah. the people that I met, lived in the – grew up in the suburbs, moved to the city when they were in like their 20s. Yeah. I'll ask them, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Chicago. Mm, yeah. No, you're from Des Plaines or you're from exactly. you know, uh, Elk Village or yeah. whatever the hell. See, and I've noticed there. people out here don't do that. Like, if you grew up in not L.A., it's like you you, you can't say you're from L.A. People yeah. be like, I mean, I'm from, Calif- I'm from Southern California. Yeah. But they won't, you know, if they're not from L.A., they won't say it. So it's like, yeah, the... The weird and, and in Chicago, like, you know, they have like the boroughs and stuff like how like New York, but like yeah. not as people don't like rep them as hard in Chicago. Yeah, it's more like the neighborhoods thing is a point of pride. Like people I lived in Uptown, which mm-hmm. is it's just north of Lake, what's called Lakeview, which is the most like. If you are not from Chicago and you move there, you probably live in Lakeview. Okay. Like, if you're just, like, a dumb white kid that loves comedy, you probably live in Lakeview. <laughs> and then, you know, the, some neighborhoods have way more pride, like, especially the, like, the Polish neighborhoods and stuff. Because there's more Polish people in Chicago than there is in Warsaw, which is Whoa. a crazy fact That's that weird. I learned living there. And then Swedish also. There's, like, a whole Swedish... Uh, Andersonville is the is this neighborhood that's like a Swedish neighborhood. Oh, and well, when I moved to Chicago, I guess I know where I'm moving. I'm a quarter Swedish. Oh. Uh, I'll, I'll touch in. I'll touch in with my roots. All right, Guten Tag. That's German. That's yeah. not Swedish. I, I if it wasn't for the shitty winters, like I would totally live in Chicago. Like, yeah. Like I know it was like 
when everybody graduated from college, like, especially, like, in the theater and, like, uh, production, like, departments from college, it was, like, everybody split up, you know, it was, like, half went to L.A., half went to New York, and then, like, a few of you guys went to Chicago, yeah. like, the comedy-based people, you guys yep. went there, but, like, I, I love Chicago, I, I would go there quite often, like, one of, one of my friends, like, after college, he moved to Chicago, and then, um, like, a gal that I dated, too, so, like, I would go back and forth, like, yeah. between missouri and chicago like every few months or so i for like a couple of years i was in chicago quite a bit but like if it wasn't for the shitty winters like chicago like it like it feels good to me i love it it's my like, favorite city it's the winters suck but you get used to them i would i would live there for the rest of my life if i could do all of the things that i can do out here there like, exactly like know. i mean and it's you know becoming more of a central hub now to like other yeah. entertainment stuff and it's like i joke because I call Chicago like Diet New York sometimes, <laughs> yeah. but but really they love to hear that. But really, it's more like Chicago is New York, but with better people, with Midwesterners. Yeah. It's New York, but with Midwesterners. Because like that's my thing with New York. I think New York's cool, but I can't stand the people. Interesting. Yeah, I always describe Chicago as New York City. If it had, if you took like a force field around every building and spread it out by 20 feet. It's New York with 20 extra feet of room yes. in any given direction. That actually, yes, that, that actually makes perfect sense. It's, it's, it's close, but it's, yeah, a little bit less compact yeah, than New York. There's the bars in the neighborhood. You can just chill and downtown is fun. It's not hard to walk around unless you get stuck in the lower half, which is terrifying. And you're getting eaten by lizard people. It's fine. It's a beautiful town. And I wish I still lived there. But what are you going to do? So yeah. plowing right ahead, what did you – did you have like a what, – what type of kid were you like like growing up? Were you a weird kid, a jock? You like know, what's going on? I've, you know, I, I've been a little bit of everything. That's always been my, my deal. It's yeah. like, I don't know, like growing up – You're a jack of all trades. I've said this many times. You're like yeah. – like you do a little bit of everything. I mean, I, the, the undiagnosed ADHD was like definitely there. Um, I was a big, I was, I was pretty nerdy when I was younger. Like I watched like a lot of anime and like, I've always been into superheroes, you know, that's always been my thing. Like, but like, I mean, I was definitely one of those kids, like we were on the playground, like thought we actually had powers and shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, we were, I was ingrained in it, you know, like I was, we would go hang out in the Creek all day and stick fight and like make up games <laughs> and like play superhero games and stuff like that so I was, I was pretty nerdy and then but I also did play sports like all growing up like I played football and basketball from like six from fifth grade on and then in high school I played football basketball and volleyball so now it's like when I tell people that people are surprised that I like kind of was a bit of a jock in high school yeah because people just associate me with being a nerd and like artsy and stuff yeah yeah because I also I mean I did choir and stuff once I did because I, I went down to just volleyball in high school so then that kind of freed up me to be able to do like choir and like stuff like that to like kind of get a little bit of both yeah so like <clears throat> I kind of went I went back and forth like so it was like I'm I've always been very nerdy but like I definitely like was active and I mean I 
people i mean i love football i'm in i'm a football encyclopedia like yeah. we've had numerous football conversations and like mm-hmm. that's like it's always so funny like whenever i start talking football to people and like especially like at the bar and i'm like you know these like you know older guys and stuff and people are always like man you like really know your shit and i'm like yeah i love football and they're like who gail sayers was they're they're just like i mean like look at you i just wouldn't expect it i was like that's a weird thing to say but thanks (laughs) (laughs) you know so um but like i don't know like my my childhood was just like like i said like elementary school i like popped around a bunch so i like never made like a close group of friends to like stick with, you know, it was yeah. like I would make friends with people and then I'd end up having to move and then yeah. you never see those people again. And then it got, you know, a little bit better once I like settled in and was like going to um, school with the same people after that. But like, I don't know. I, I try not to, I don't really think about school too much anymore. Like I'm not somebody that was like, Ooh, I had this wonderful high school Good experience. Days, yeah. It wasn't bad either. It just like, High school didn't really do much for me. I was, like, you know, a gifted kid. And so, like, but at the same time, like, I did feel myself just, like, I was very bored with school. I kind of, like, slept walk through it a little bit, you uh-huh. know? And it was, like, yeah, I had a few teachers that I connected with that, like, made a little bit of an impact on me. And I have, you know, me and Tyler have been friends since high school. But it's, like, I have literally, like, one friend that i keep in contact with from high school shout out tyler coleman my boy um but like he's like yeah like i like i don't go home to like reconnect with high school people or anything Mm -hmm. like that i mean i barely even follow i follow like a few on instagram that i'm like curious what they're up to you know so it's like you gotta have a couple of those so it's like you know like high school and school in general like i mean yeah it happened it was a thing but like why i try to like think of how much it's impacted me on like who i am now I feel like it's not a lot. Like, I feel like once I, like, moved out and then, like, went through a bunch of stuff throughout my college years, like, that's what, like, you know, okay. l- you know, formed me into, like, more of what I think about today. Yeah, so, like, the public school system was more of a gray area where you were just, like, I know how to be on autopilot. It taught you how to be on autopilot. It did. Kind of. Like, it's yeah. kind of weird. Like, yeah, like, it very much, like, got to a point where it was just, like, you know, like high school, I just like I wouldn't even like read half the things or I would like figure out ways to like skip class, like just to not be in it, you yeah, know. Yeah. And um, I mean, again, like I, I don't know. And it like kind of like warped your it like warps your brain a little bit because like it, it's so different now because like even when we were graduating, it was like, oh, hey, like, OK, now you're graduate high school. You're going to college. You should already know what you want to do pretty much pick your path for the next four years and how you're going to be an adult. And it's like, how do you know those things? You know? So it was yeah. like, I picked, uh, I picked art education. Cause just like at the time I was doing a lot of art, like painting and stuff a lot. And I, I, I was like, Oh, I could be a teacher. Like, I think that'd be fun. But yeah. it like, I never like actually like thought about it. And then like, you know, it was like, I took like a few education classes. And I was like, I mean, this would be cool. But at the same time, I'm like, is this what I really want to do? You yeah. know, like, I, I don't know. You would be such a fun high school art teacher. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't do lower than high school either. Yeah. No, like, no, no, no. I mean, I like that. elementary yeah. kids. They're cool. But that's like a glorified babysitter. Yeah. And then middle schoolers are just the worst kids. Yeah. Like 13, 14 year olds are the devil. worst. The devil. They are the worst. So yeah. I couldn't do them either. So I was like high school. I was like, or like 
being in college, I was like, oh, being a college professor would be cool. But then yeah. they're like, oh, well, you got to do other stuff to get there first. I'm like, well, damn it. So, yeah, kids suck. I was – when I was – when would this have been? might have been when I was still in high school. I think it was when I was still in high school. I berated a group of elementary schoolers because we got sent over there. It was high school because we got sent over there as a part of the theater program mm-hmm. at the high school to go do like little skits at recess yeah, with these yeah. kids. And these kids would not shut the fuck up the entire time we were performing. Every class was great. All of the other classes were great. It was a class of fourth graders. So they were the big kids on campus. And they come to our little, to watch our little skit. This group of boys in the front won't stop talking. The teachers told them to stop talking. Uh-huh. Ruins the whole thing. Yeah. And I bent down and I looked those kids in the face and I said, you guys suck. <laughs> you guys suck. You are nothing. Get it through your heads. Yeah. Like we, we did a similar thing. We had like a program where... It was a class, but we, I forget what it was. It was like character, character something. I don't know. But we were like, it was like to get into this class, you had to be recommended by a teacher. And like all this stuff. It was like one of those things, you know? So like we were like the the extra chosen ones or whatever. And then you were assigned a class that was in the, either the middle school or the elementary. And you would go and do a character lesson like they had us like teaching character lessons to young kids and not like how to be a cowboy how to like be an upstanding citizen how to be yeah a good kid but we're also like hey you're learning this from a 15 year old that also knows nothing about the world so when you think about it it's like what what the hell program was that like that was one it was a bad one there's like how can we make the teachers do less things exactly let's give it to the so it was like i remember um yeah, we had like a elementary one. It, it was like they sent you over every two weeks too. Oh, like it was like it wasn't just like an every once in a while. Like we were constantly you were in these kids' lives. <laughs> yes, you those kids would remember. That's Mr. Taylor. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's rocks. That's I so weird. <laughs> I, I and I, I typically some kids are great. Some kids though can kick rocks and eat dirt. Like fuck those kids. Yeah, like I'm not raising them. My 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 secret with kids is I just treat and talk to them as if they're just like regular people yeah. like i don't i don't like do it. i don't scale the way i talk down to kids like i yeah. will talk to them how i'm gonna talk to anybody else and then however that kid responds that's my feeling on if they're a cool kid or not yeah my, my brother's in high school and i'll go back because he's at nixa same like theater teacher and stuff and he does theater stuff shout out jack and he I'll go back and like talk to the classes and do little workshops, improv games and shit like that with the kids. And I love doing it. It's super fun, especially to like, get to see my brother like interacting and being mm-hmm. a student with his friends and things. It's yeah. a ton of fun. But like some of these kids, because I've been doing it since I graduated. So long before my brother got to school, I would go back like once a year or so, like when I was at Missouri State, do like a little improv day with the kids. And but. So there were phases. There was the phase where there were kids that I was doing that for that remembered me from when I was still in high school. Mm -hmm. And there was so there was that relationship. And then there was a period where I had not gone to school with any of these kids and that none of them had gone to school with my brother or anything. So it was like a true like anonymity thing like they mm-hmm. had heard stories of my exploits but that was it yeah you're like you've heard the legend right right yeah <laughs> you've heard all the terrible things we did here but now there's these kids that have like this this very like first person's perspective on me because they've grown up with my brother and so they're very comfortable sometimes like mm-hmm. talking to me like oh, especially my brother's 100%. friends and this one kid came up to me the last time i was there 
I was like watching them do some dance or some, some rehearsal or something. I was just sitting in the back with my brother and this kid came up to me and like jokingly, but trying to be like a, like, Oh, I'm going to like, like we're breaking each other's balls. He came up and he was like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he was wearing this shirt from like old Navy that barely fit him. Like very high school kid. And I looked at him and I said, you're going to come at me talking shit dressed like you just went to Old Navy or something. And he was like, oh, okay. Oh, roasting <laughs> kids is so fun. My my favorite thing to do just in general is call kids nerds, like uh-huh. out in the wild. Uh-huh. Like if I just see a kid or if they're doing something nerdy or just like, or if they like look at me or something, like I'll do it even when they're with their parents. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what's up, nerd? And then, like, some kids are like, oh, I'm not a nerd, you're a nerd. <laughs> and then other kids, like, get, like, offended or, like, just any, like, there's some satisfaction of calling, yeah. like, any kid a nerd. Like, no, you're uh, a nerd, dude. No, I'm not! Like, it's so funny. <laughs> these, uh, I was, I was outside, uh, smoking a cigarette because I'm gross. Wow. But I was, <laughs> I mean, I actually deserved this one. These kids, um, they were on a, on a, two kids riding a bike one of them was on the pegs on the back and then they rode past me and like looked over at me and like you know kind of gave me a look and then they circled back around and rode back and like stopped for a sec and just goes he goes hey he goes you know cigarettes are terrible for you right and i go i go shut the fuck up nerd And, like, <laughs> their faces just, like, dropped, and they just, like, didn't say anything and skirted away. It was hilarious. <laughs> they, they were, like, 12 or 13. So, like, give, so yeah, giving them, giving them an F-bomb and, like, emphasizing nerd. They were like, oh, it was we, like. A, we don't belong here. It was a lightning strike. <laughs> that's, that's fucking great. Sometimes you gotta, yeah. So, was there, like, a, uh, was there like a teacher or a moment or like that you really connected with that might have sort of informed your your style as like a filmmaker or a like a like a just a content creator or just anything that sort of like sowed any seeds back then? Yeah, I mean, I did have I did have two teachers. They were both language arts teachers. Um, my freshman year language arts teacher, shout out to Mrs. Smith. Um, she was a big anime nerd. And Amazing. stuff, yeah. And uh, she she was like the teacher that ran anime club and whatnot. Um, a thankless job running a thankless anime job, club, I'm like sure. for real. But she loved it. Like she loved like hanging out and like it was just like we just hung out, watched anime, like did made art, drew shit, like whatever. Yeah. And uh, but even in class though, like she very much would like you know bring in contemporary things to like you know she was very much like you could tell she's deviating from the curriculum and like you know it was like doing her thing and like but also like made a conscious effort to like connect with kids and like even like it it was like funny like because like if you knew if she liked you or not because if she liked you she would like you knew it you were it and you were in if she did not like you you knew it she would be roasting you during class (laughs) all the time she'd be giving you shit she would not put up with like smart mouths that were like trying to like just like be annoying in class, but like she also like was that teacher that would like connect with like the you know quote unquote bad kids. Yeah, you know, so like she just had a real way with students, but like uh, we would, you know, like we did a whole like two week thing on Twilight one time just because she <laughs> wanted to really very of that era. How much you know uh, education did we get out of that? But um, but like she was super cool. Um, cause she was like younger too. Like she was younger. Uh, she was unmarried at the time. 
um she was unmarried no kids or anything and like she was just like just really just really really cool like and she was like the teacher that like even after my freshman year it would be like oh what teacher do I want to like go hang out with in the morning before the bell rings like when I got some extra time or if I'm ditching class whose class am I going to she (laughs) she was notorious for like you would be in class and then there would be the corner in the back of kids that weren't actually in the class but are just there (laughs) hanging out this was a regular thing in her in her classroom because she was like chill with it she's like hey if you get in trouble that's on you like but if you want to just hang out in here like whatever yeah so like there was always this is my class and then oh there's the randoms that just like come in during their lunch period that's awesome so like there was her and then another language arts teacher my june no my sophomore year language arts teacher mr davis one of the coolest fucking cats ever um he was this like he like looked very meek and like kind of goofy a little bit but like he you could tell he was the goofy white guy that black people loved that's the vibe that he was specifically this guy right here yes yours very very much a chance vibe. like chances i can tell you're very popular at the cookouts and that and that's and that's mr davis like you could tell he could come and he's always invited but he was so goofy and awkward though too and like the way he spoke was really funny but like he was another person like he was totally doing his own curriculum I mean, we barely, he didn't believe in worksheets. He hated them. King. He he would literally wow. be like, there would be days he'd be like, hey, um, they want me to do a, a midterm. So here you go. And it would be a piece of paper with two questions on it about just literally whatever. Yeah. And, and he'd be like, he'd be like, take the whole 50 minutes of class right on those two questions there there's your midterm it doesn't matter what you put on it you're getting an a and we're like okay like he did not believe in work hell yeah mr davis and then um but his his thing he was a big music guy he was in a band okay so like one of the things was he would tell people in the band we all knew he was in band he played bass i was like of course (laughs) but the thing was he wouldn't tell anybody his band name so we couldn't find it Oh, he was like, okay. cause he was like, apparently like a punk rocker Oh, and we all wanted to find his music. So it was this ongoing thing of trying to find his music. And then there was also a thing he would all, he would wear a button up shirt and tie every single day, every day without fail, long sleeves, didn't matter the weather, didn't matter if it was casual Friday. So there was another thing onto his myth that like oh we hear he wears long sleeves all the time because he's like got two full sleeves of like crazy tattoos and like all this stuff <laughs> i love a rumor and then and then it would be like at the end of the year he would finally wear a short sleeve shirt and he's just like nah i just got skinny arms like that's why <laughs> so like he fed into it I'm just you a know weak man <laughs> but um he was super cool we um he loved poetry we would do like a lot of stuff on poetry um we spent a month uh analyzing tupac music come on because he said tupac is his favorite poet that's so cool what like what if like somebody had said that out <laughs> if a teacher had said that out loud to me like that would have been such a big deal and like it's and to give you a an idea he kind of had a john mulaney looking vibe to him a little mm. bit like that's the kind of so imagine John Mulaney saying Tupac is my favorite poet. <laughs> Tupac is my favorite poet. And, oh, and, that's and my Mulaney, not great. <laughs> so yeah, we we were doing a month long just projects on Tupac, deciphering, listening. Like like it was just he was such a cool guy. He had such funny thoughts and um he and he and again he was just like that 
teacher you could like he he would always eat lunch in his classroom so like anytime if he if you had you wanted to go eat lunch with him you can go have lunch with mr with mr davis cool guy like hang out with him so it was like that those were the things i was like you know they are more paying attention to like interaction you know with people and like connecting in different ways like they were the ones like trying to be like how can you connect through media? You know, like they brought in their personal things to teach, you know, versus just trying to like, you know, give us the rundown. So like they, I would say they, you know, subconsciously like had, had an effect on like just the way I think of media and then connect it, you know, personally. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Like super, two super cool teachers. Yeah. Hell yeah. So you mentioned, college is where you felt like you really sort of came alive do you want to just talk a little bit yeah. about i mean how you came out of yourself socially personally professionally like what was missouri St- what was your missouri statement make your missouri you know statement. it was it was interesting everything was very interesting like to give a little context um i lived primarily with my dad i have three younger sisters so i'm the oldest the only boy my dad was quite tough on me, mm-hmm. you know, quite tough on me, but in a way that like he was very much like preparing me just to be independent, you know, and I like can understand now because like now it's like, you know, he you obviously know, like, you know, parents have somewhat of a bias, but like when you have just like, OK, now I have all the younger ones and they're all girls, you know he's obviously going to need to put more time there. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I think, so the way I try to look at it is like, you know, at first in high school, like me and my dad, we were kind of like at odds a little bit just cause I was just like, God, why are you on me like this? I'm a, I was a good kid in high school. That's yeah. the funny part. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he was tough on me and I was already a good kid. It's not like he was like, you weren't fucking up. Constantly yeah. He wasn't he like to... reforming me. I was a good kid cause I was terrified of my dad, yeah. you know? But like, so the way I look back at it now is like, I want that he wanted to prepare me to be like, hey, I'm going to have to spend a lot more time and energy onto these girls because it's going to be a whole more complicated thing. So he like maybe wanted me to be able to be more independent. I don't know. That's the way I kind of rationalize it. So like as soon as I'm in like while I was going to college, they were like at the time we weren't doing well on money or anything. So they were like, hey, like if you want to go to a big college, like. You're going to have to get the scholarships. You're going to have to do the loan stuff. Like, th- this Same. is you. Yeah. They're like, yeah. we will help you with community college. If you want to stay here and do community college, like, we can pitch in a little bit and help there. But, like, if you, this is what you want to do, like, this is this is on you. And, yeah. like, that was a big decision to put on a 17-year-old at the time. Uh, but I'm glad, like, my one well, of my dad's catchphrases is he's like, I don't sugarcoat things for you. Like, and that's how we, I grew up. So it was like the fact that he was like treated me that maturely and be like, Hey, like this is a big decision. I'm leaving it up to you to make. Like they didn't try to sway me either way. Um, so like, so right out the gate, it was like, I'm going off to college. Like, yeah, I'm like, and when you go to college for your first time on your own, but I was like, I'm really doing this on my own, you know? So, and it was like, and, and because I still had that like a little bit of resentment from my dad, I didn't like go home too much my freshman year. Okay, yeah. I was like the opposite of a lot of people. You know, yeah, freshman year sure. people are home every month and stuff. Like I didn't. Like I was like I'm only two and a half hours away, but like I went home like three times like yeah. my freshman year because I was just like I was like okay, you guys want me to be an adult on my own? I'm gonna be an adult on my own. <laughs> Here I am. So, but then of course, 
that that decision caught up with me because it a lot of I didn't realize like a lot of my scholarships were only first year oh, stuff shit, you know really? like yeah. that's how they fucking get you yeah they, it is yeah, they'll offer reapply, you a bunch of scholarships but they're like oh it's for your freshman year only yep that's how they fucking get you so it was like I didn't realize that while I was doing stuff so it was like I couldn't so like my sophomore year even though I was an RA my sophomore year so you that were yeah I didn't know that what oh, where dude. In, I was a RA in Hammonds my sophomore year. In Ham, That's like the... Yeah. <laughs> you were an RA in Hammonds? Because I did it because it cut a shit ton of costs. Oh, like, yeah. It, like, literally chopped everything in half. And so I did that. Oh, my God. I was the... I was exactly how you'd think I would be as an RA. Absolutely. Like, I let my floor do whatever they want. I was like, girls after curfew, whatever. Yep. You want to... I was like... <laughs> Go I, nuts, fellas. Like, basically, like, yeah, my speech at the beginning was like, hey, look... I know what you're going to do. I know what you want to do here. I don't care what you do. I was like, be quiet. I was like, keep me out of it. Like, if you get caught doing something, I'm turning, I will throw you under the bus because that's what I got to do. But yep. like, I'm also not going to impede on your experience. I want you guys to have a good time. And I was like, so I like gave them the trust and. Uh, I mean, I would party with my with my floor like that. <laughs> you weren't supposed to do that. Um, I was also dating one an ra on my staff which you weren't supposed to do nope. like i did all the thing. like i was like the rock star ra like that's... i very much i treated it that way too like that's why i had the biggest ego in college that was makes perfect sense like when i was an ra <laughs> in college i had the biggest ego that's when i was like dating the most girls ironically girls thought that was like hot right yeah they're like <laughs> oh i'm badass. sleeping with the R- i'm gonna sleep with the ra and it's like <laughs> If that's the if that's a badge you guys are collecting, sure. He like. gets his own room. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it was the appeal. So, but even still, I did that and I like cut costs, but then I still couldn't pay for it. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna drop out for the semester, and then I was like, hopefully I can take some time to like figure stuff out, and I'll come back. Yeah, uh, that didn't happen. Um, I, this one, a lot of life started happening. This is why I felt like I like grew up. Cause so I drop out, move into this house, right? I move into this house. It's, there were three gay men and two lesbians in this house. And I was in the sunroom of the house, like not even a real room. Yep. I know how that I feels. I was like, okay, diving right in. And, but like, you know, most people weren't moving off campus till like after their sophomore year, you know? But so I was like, all right, I'm still going to stay close to college and then hopefully I'll be back enrolled. Yeah. Um, Because like my parents are like, are you going to come home? And I was like, no, like all my friends are here. Like, like this is what I'm doing. And then I was in this one house for a month and then that house caught fire. No shit. I I didn't know if I had ever told you this story. You haven't. But yeah, so my house caught fire. (laughs) Like, I remember, I remember it vividly. I was at, uh, did you ever go to the hookah lounge, the Albatross? Regular at Albatross. Yeah. So the pre, the, the old school Albatross. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember I was having a good day. I'd went and gotten a tattoo and then I was meeting up with some friends at the Albatross. We're chilling. We're having a chill night. I get a phone call from one of my roommates. He goes, Hey, uh, the house is on fire. I go, shut up, because this was like the prankster calling me, too. So I was like, shut up. I was like, no, it's not. And, like, right. and then I hear his boyfriend in the background go, no, no, Devon, he's telling the truth. The house is on fire. Oh. And I was like, uh, and so I like look at Tyler. I was like, uh, hey, we got to go to my house. It's on fire. And then so we like leave. And there was like an electrical fire in the basement. So luckily, 
Um, I didn't have any fire damage in my in my room or anything, but it blew like all the windows out. So like that night, I got like my valuables out that I could because I was yeah, like, I don't yeah. know where I'm gonna go. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, I was still dating um, my like fellow RA at the time. So for for like three weeks, I was living in the dorms with her, but not enrolled in school anymore. Wow. <laughs> which was the weirdest thing because like people yeah. would see me in the and but i mean they would just pass it off they're like oh well they're still dating so of course devon's still gonna be like around yeah yeah but, like little did they know but, but, but it worked out because i cause it worked out because i knew all the ways in and out i knew how to get to what floors and everything like yeah you know so I, I knew all the things so i was staying in the dorms for like three weeks but so that that night i got the expensive stuff out but then like we barricaded the house the best we could, but then like the next, literally the next day or no, it was a couple days later when I was able to like get a car to like pack all my stuff back up. Um, like, uh, the, the Boogans had broke in and then like, so they like took like a bunch of my clothes. Uh, they took my entire movie collection. Oh, I, at this time I had a massive DVD collection and, they took it. They took it all, and then since to this day, I don't collect physical media anymore. God I've been scarred. Oh, the, yeah, like I, every, rightfully so. I, yeah, I keep a digital collection now, but like I have not collected DVDs since. Yeah, which I, I mean, I sometimes I would like to, but then I think about rebuying movies I bought already, and I'm like, ah. So like, yeah. So like that happened. Got some stuff stolen, and then ended up living in this other house that was like rent rented out by the room so i lived with like two foreign exchange students and like a 48 year old man who i had <laughs> to share a awesome. bathroom with yeah. and then the 48 year old man moved out and some sketchy guy moved in and was like doing sketch shit in the garage at 3 a.m yeah to this day don't know what they what they were doing man it could have been anything so and then i was just there for a few months because uh me tyler and our fr- our buddy levi were already planning on getting a house once they finished out there because tyler was a freshman so he had yeah. to finish out his freshman year on campus i remember this this is where yeah. i come into the story a yeah little, and then but, this yeah. is yeah and then meet you not too long after that uh when we moved into the lauren house yep and love uh, that house yeah i mean it was and then so i wasn't able to resume school so I was like at this point again, like, but I had had to get a job, you know, so I got a job and that's why I started working at bears. Like after I had uh, dropped out. So I was like in this weird place of being like, well, these are like where my friends are. I have a job here now. Like, do I want to go home where I don't talk to people from high school anymore? Um, I'd have to live with my parents, be under their, you know, like supervision again. Like I had already been on my own for like a year at that point. So I was like without rules. So I was like, what am I doing? Cause I'm, I'm, I guess I, at that point kind of accepted I wasn't going back to school or wasn't going to be able to, which like kind of, you know, kind of messed with me a little bit, like continuing to hang out with people while they're going to classes, they're right, doing yeah. school things, yeah, you know, so it's like they would be at class all day and I would just be like at home, like cleaning and like yeah, doing yeah. stuff if I wasn't at work, you know, so like kind of warped me for a sec because I was worried because again, like back at this point, you know, the mentality was like, if you don't get a college degree, you can't do anything. You're not going to make a career. And um, so I was like. I was like, but then once I started getting into like film criticism and stuff and I like kind of realized like, oh, you can like 
just like work your way through the internet and like kind of make make a name somehow in that way yeah and then, like on the websites and the reviews yeah and like, that, like that and yeah. then um and then once i realized i like i was like okay i'm don't want to just write about movies i want to make movies uh that's why i just i bought my first camera and then i just taught myself like photography photo editing video editing all through youtube yeah i was like so fuck college i'm going to university of youtube you know that's awesome yeah and that was and that kind of leads to now but it was just like in that little short span of like having all that craziness and then still making the conscious decisions that i was like you know i could have it didn't have to be as hard on me as it was you know i easily could have went home saved up money living at home and then decided what to do after that yeah but i was like i don't know i feel like i need to just live this out and figure it out you know and and um yeah and then you know springfield just like kind of end up being a it was like a good thing i mean i stayed there you know like past even when i would have graduated i would have graduated like 2016 but then i didn't move out of springfield till 2018 but by that point i had you know made the plan to move out here so I was just like trying to like save up money and do yeah. that stuff. So I don't know. It, it kind of was just like this. Was, it was a, I look back now and it's like that was a good test run as an adult, you know? Absolutely. Like if I can yeah. do that stuff by myself and like, yeah, on a much smaller scale, it's in Springfield, rent super cheap. So it was like it wasn't hard to make money and, you know, live. But at yeah. the same time, it was like, hey, like this is like, you know, challenge of I'm in a city by myself and just trying to be an adult, you know, because like even though you're in college and you're away from home and stuff, you're still not really an adult yet. No, it's in like a way, a, it's a very much an in between. It's a it's a non permanent thing, and that's how I felt. Always felt like Missouri State and college and shit was always like a temporary thing, not permanent. Exactly. Chicago for me, in many ways, also felt that way. Like hey, this is temporary. Mm. I love this place. I love these people, but I don't think this is where I'm going to end up. When I moved here, I got the sense, oh, this is it. Like, yeah. This is te- this is it. Like this is what I've been in transit towards. So exactly. it's interesting that you had this experience of you are you're almost like to use a, a term from a movie the franchise that we both love. Blade, you were like the daywalker of Missouri yeah. State's campus. You had all of our strengths and none of our weaknesses. Legit, like, you got to go to all the parties, <laughs> have all the social that, aspect. And, and that's exactly to- <laughs> what it was too. Like when when things were good and I wasn't all depressed and stuff, I was still having a great time because yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I was getting to do all the things without having to go to class and like do all the stuff like everybody in the theater department just thought i was a part of the department because yeah, i was with you guys just, so much I'm you sure know he's just a ba major of some kind. i was just with you guys i was an artsy guy so like people just assumed that i was like in with you guys which yeah. was like super funny but yeah like at certain points i did feel like that like yeah i have all the the college you know superpowers yeah, but none awesome. of the none of the consequences yeah. yeah that's how i felt a little bit freshman year i the beginning of freshman year, I attended class at Missouri State and all else at Drury. I partied at Drury. Oh, I hung yeah, out yeah. at Drury because my two best friends from high school both went to Drury yeah. and lived on the same floor together over there. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I would go to Drury and lose and you my were like a celebrity mind. at Drury, right? Because I had no, I I had I had no like 
social like rules really over yeah, there. Yeah, I didn't could, have to face these people on Monday. <laughs> you could be Drury Chance, and you're like, whatever Drury Chance does stays at Drury. So yep. it was like you could literally, yeah, like what is my identity to the Drury people? Right. One time <laughs> I, they had the best par- party of any college. Speaking of parties and having the social fun, some some of the best parties I've ever been to are at Drury because. They were a wet campus, whereas Missouri State's a dry campus, as we all know. The jury, they would do this thing every year called F-Cubed, which was Fuck Finals Friday. And <laughs> I don't know if you spent much time over there, but the fraternity houses all were in like a circle together. Yeah, in the yeah. middle spot, like the yard in the middle, like the courtyard was called the quad. Yeah, yeah. And they would like barricade and rope off the gaps, like the alleys between houses to turn the quad into this like enclosed outdoor party space and you could only get in through the front door of a fraternity house so you had to know somebody to get through that's and it was fucking crazy but so elaborate it led to being able to do whatever the fuck it was like we were in a different country it was like we were in embassy for north korea (laughs) in the middle of springfield but there were cops there and the cops had this understanding where there was two cops that stood right in the center of the courtyard and they knew everyone knew like, okay, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You're not going to get an MIP. No Just matter. Don't like, be stupid. Don't like... be stupid. Don't throw up. That was like the big, like don't be sloppy and don't throw don't up. That sloppy. was like the yep. biggest thing is don't like if the cop sees you start to vomit, they're going to, they're going to slap you with an MIP or whatever. And of course, so I'm there. I'm having a good time. I see my ex-girlfriend, also a Drury student. Like I said, did everything else at Drury. See my ex-girlfriend at the party, like, across the way. Get pissed off and sad. Go and try to talk to this other girl. <laughs> get rejected immediately. So then I turn to my buddy uh, Troy. Yeah, it was Troy. I turn to my buddy Troy, and I go, all right, well, I'll see you in 10 years. And then I chugged, like, almost an, like what felt like a pint of tequila, like I had just Jose Gold like, <laughs> in a in a Coke bottle, and it was like up past the label a little bit, and I chugged the motherfucker. Oh, geez! And then I had never done that before, which oh, that no. turned into one of my famous party tricks at Missouri State parties, is I would chug Jose Gold. <laughs> this is my first time ever doing it, and I did it, and I dropped the bottle, and I turned, and I the, the cops were right there, and I went, you went. And I swallowed it like I like the vomit came up. I swallowed it. I sprinted into the nearest fraternity house, and I I, I went to go puke in a toilet. It all went down. I it was all stayed down. I was really good. Like I was a controlled puker because I I know some people fight it, but I was like no because if you puke, then you're relieved. You feel you get a second better. wind, you know. So, but I was real good about not doing like I know it's coming, and then I would do the same swallow once and then locate a place. Yep. Um, that way, yeah. I, I didn't hang out at Drury too much, but I did have um, – I dated a gal that went to Drury. Uh-huh. So, like, she would bring me over to, like, for, like, parties and stuff. So, like, I had the role of – at Drury, I was, like, the exotic boyfriend from out of the country. Yes, of course. Like, look, very, yeah. this is Yvonne. <laughs> He's from, you know <laughs> – My God, look at his skin. What is that made of? So, I was – so, at Drury, I was just, like, arm candy. I yeah. was I was heightened arm candy. Yeah, makes, <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. They're all, like – fucking dumb rich kids over there that are just like ooh look a ruffian like to me i was like a, i was like a fucking pirate to those people yeah, you you were like the the you were like the fun neighborhood dog that they're like hey this dog is super cool exactly. i'm going to bring him yeah. over it's going to be crazy he does tricks if you rub his belly and also you can just smell on him that his parents make less than 40 grand a year like 
Yeah, good times. Uh, well, cool. That's uh, yeah, that's crazy. That, that sort of this experience of the opposite of what normal. Like, I don't know if it's the opposite, but what you got out of like college and the Springfield sort of experience since college was only a, like technically a, only a small part part of it for you. Exactly. Yeah. It was almost like a literal trial by fire. Like you, yeah. your, your house burned down one or, and then you just sort of had to just learn by doing like you yeah. really learned like by doing kinda, a lot of this shit. Yeah. I just like kind of took things along and like, you know, just like learned how to be resourceful and like how to kind of, try to be better with money and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, and these are all things that I, I guess I just kind of got like an accelerated adult course, I guess. Yeah, Cause it's yeah. like, you know, when people graduate at 22, people kind of have this little trial period between the ages of like 22, 26. But like I was doing it in the ages between 18 and 22. Yeah, you got to jump on the rest of So us. it's like, yeah, yeah like, and, and especially once you're in a college town, then like you stick around past 22, like, so, like, when I left, I was 24, and I was, like, the quote-unquote old guy. Yeah, you were Van Wilder. You know, like, exactly. <laughs> and, like, so that was, like, such a weird thing, but, like, I'd also, like, felt older, like, maturity-wise compared to, like, some other people because I was, like, yo, I've dealt with more at I'm leveled up between, over here. between yeah. 22 than a lot of people have. So it was, like, I would get that. Men- so when I came here, it was, like, so funny of getting treated like a baby again. People are like, mm-hmm. 24, like, you were such a baby. And I was yeah. like, yo, y'all, you don't know the road that led me old here. Old 24. I'm an old 24. <laughs> like, I mean, shit, I got into a car accident the week that I was coming out to L.A. Oh, yeah? I was driving from Springfield to St. Louis. Got into a car accident shit. literally a week of. So it was, like, again, oh. like. All right, what you going to do, man? Right. What you going to do? You yeah. already quit your job and got rid of your apartment back in Springfield. Yeah. And How big are your balls? Let's go. Literally. So yeah. like in in I only had so much money, so I so we didn't want to go to a mechanic. We were like, let's fix it ourselves to save some money because mm-hmm. like Tyler Tyler's dad um was really good with cars yeah uh shout out to tyler's dad rest in peace also hey, Ugh. he was he, like the fact that i could literally call my best friend's dad and i like was just like hey we need to fix my car and he just like dropped what he was doing he's like he and i got to learn some car shit but like we replaced my radiator myself yeah and i was like and then he was like, uh, I mean, I think your car, I don't see anything else wrong, so you should be good. <laughs> should, so it was like the fine. whole time driving here, in the back of my mind, I'm like, what if something goes wrong with you my car? You drove a home-patched home car across a the home country. A home-patched car across the country. That's... And I was just like, the whole time, I was just like, just just make it there. That's a metaphor just for make your entire there. life. Straight up. Damn, like, that dude. it was 100% cried as soon as I got into L.A. Like, I was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, wild. That fucking, that's, that's what it's about. So, hell yeah. Well, wrapping up here, last thing. Always ask this. If you can concisely, succinctly, however the fuck you want to say it, uh, put this into words like let's say, so if you could go back in time to a point where you were at your most lost like mm-hmm. I always say you're hiking up the mountain and your map just got blown out of your hands by the wind you have no idea what the fuck you're doing you're directionless what would you go back in time like what what you don't have to say when this time period would mm-hmm. have been what would you say to that Devon um I mean I would say just to like it would be just to be like trust your instincts like mm-hmm. i very much was like again it was like flying by the sea of my pants and like at the lowest point whatever it was just like i was worried about people's perception of me like i like it took me like a year 
before I like stopped thinking like being a college dropout was a bad thing. Yeah. You know, like I was like concerned with that, but then of just kind of like a situation would come up and like, it would take a couple of tries to like kind of figure it out, you know, but it was just like kind of just in the end, I, it, I made it to the next spot. So it was just like, you know, the, like, I, I trust my instincts quite a bit. And like, that's yeah, yeah. the thing that I would just like remind myself. Cause like you, you sit there and you think, and then I'd be like, what's the right decision? What's it going to look like when I do this? Or like, you know, like, am I going to make the right decision that like make my parents not worried about me or like, you know, make the right decision. That's going to, you know, make it seem like that I'm on the right path. But it was just like, at the end of the day, like, just like, I would tell younger me to like just trust your instincts. Like you, your your fight or flight is pretty solid. Like you, you know, just just trust yourself. And like that that would always be. And like just like not to think so much, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, goddamn, I said succinctly. So we're gonna go back and try this again. And maybe no, I'm kidding. Succinct. <laughs> <laughs> S- yeah, no, that, that that was the right that was the right word. But like, yeah. yeah, I think I think the instincts are like that's that's important when you're in LA specifically. Absolutely. Like, yeah. and I think you've got great ones. Obviously, thank like you. Like you've, I you've appreciate you've, it, it's gotten you to this point. And uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say? Anything you want to plug? Yeah, no. Um, just check out my podcast, The Blade Blunt Cinema Club. It is on all platforms. Um. Uh, I don't know when this will be released, but coming up on the 50th episode, so that's exciting. Uh, Chance right. was back in episode 13. You were, wow, you were yeah. back towards the beginning. Lucky 13. Yeah, so uh, you can find that on all the things. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco, where I'm tweeting about movies every day. And um, Instagram is where you can like see my photos and video stuff and things I do with a uh, uh, shout out to uh, Beta Wave, um, Beta Wave TV on Instagram. That's I shoot musical performances and stuff, Shout and we out. do some uh, fun stuff. So, yeah, check that stuff out. Hell, yeah. Well, I love what you said about your instincts and trusting them. I think that's super important uh, for anybody, and especially someone like – like there are certain people that you just can tell have almost a sixth sense about them. I feel that way about you. I feel that way about a mm. lot of the people I've had on this show, a lot of my friends, where it's just like – Oh, yeah, you need to be guided by your own light. Don't let other people's input or criticisms or any of the bullshit that people try to tell you how to be. Exactly. Let that shit bounce off and just know I've got I've got my roadmap here in my head. I'm sorry if it makes you uncomfortable. I'm sorry if it scares you. It scares the hell out of me, but it's what I got to do. 100%. Like It's like everybody is informed by different experiences and traumas and stuff, so it's like there is no one set way that you can decide to like get through things. So it's like, I don't know, like at the end of the day, it's like, who do I got at the end of the day? I got me. Like, you hey. know, when I go to sleep when I'm Fucking shitting on egg. the toilet. Is anybody on my lap? No, <laughs> I'm shitting by myself. What a way to end the episode. <laughs> I'm going to go shit by myself right now. Thanks for coming on D. Uh,